0: Well, let's go ahead and look at our passage for today. It's in John chapter 1, 35 through 51. John chapter 1, 35 through 51. The next day, John was standing, John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples, and when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. And when Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and you'll see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. And Simon and Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, uh, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah which is translated, the Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. And when Jesus saw him, he said, you are Simon, son of John, or you will be called Cephas, which is translated, Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee, Galilee, and he found uh, Philip and told him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the the law, so did the prophets. "'Jesus, the son of Joseph, from Nazareth. "'Can anything good come out of Nazareth?' Nathanael asked. "'Come and see,' Philip answered. "'Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, "'Now here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. "'How do you know me?' Nathanael asked. "'Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, "'I saw you,' Jesus answered. "'Rabbi,' Nathanael replied, "'you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel.' And Jesus responded to him, Do you believe, because I told you, I saw you under the fig tree, you will see greater things than this. And then he said, Truly I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Pray with her. Father, we are here gathered in your presence today, presence of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as we just sang, to Receive all that it is you have for us, Lord. And just like Isaiah 55 says, your word goes out of your mouth and it will not return void. So I pray, Lord, by the power of your spirit, that the word, your word that goes out of my mouth would not return void. That it would accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it on this day, um, here this morning, in Jesus' name. Amen. So we, we are currently in a series called uh, Good Life. When we're uh, looking at the Gospel of John, um, and uh, we, we um, are calling it the good life because th- that's what John really is all about. His big theme uh, is eternal life, and uh, John was one of Jesus' closest followers, he, uh, and he's writing this letter towards the end of his life because he wants to introduce you to Jesus. He wants all of us uh, to know who Jesus is and... Um, so far, he's been talking about Jesus and he's talking about John the Baptist, but now he's getting ready to introduce us to some of uh, Jesus's followers, some of his disciples. This is the story how Jesus went and, and picked, his, uh, picked the disciples. And uh, Jesus meets these people and they're ordinary everyday people, right? They're just like us, right? They're going about their everyday lives, doing what they're uh, doing, and Jesus comes and seeks them out. And uh, just like all of us, they were looking for something. And that's what I want us to think about here this morning, is this question that Jesus asked his disciples, what are you looking for? This is is what we want to consider here this morning. What are you looking for? Look at this uh, in uh, John 1, 35-38. The next day, John the Baptist, John was standing with the two, two of his disciples, and when he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look. The Lamb of God. When the two disciples heard him say this, follow Jesus. When Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked, what are you looking for? Right there it is. So Jesus asked his disciples, what are you looking for? That's an important question, by the way. It's an important question for us to consider here this morning. What are you looking for in life? What are you looking for in life? What are you seeking after, going after, pursuing What are you hoping for in life? Uh, And by the way, this goes for you this morning. If you are a committed follower of Christ, or you're trying to figure it out, or you're not a Christian, right? Everybody is looking for something. I think there was a song that said that. But uh, maybe for you, it's the important thing. I got a lot of song references here this morning. I don't know how that happened, but it's going down. Um, Maybe for you this morning, it's the important things of life, you know, like family, you know, uh, family is most important to you, and, and, and that is a big thing in life, and you, you are focused uh, on, on your, your family. Uh, other people look to work, their career, um, their education, um, what they do, do for a living to give them a sense of uh, importance in life and identity and something to do, make them feel like their life uh, matters. I think this is why some people uh, have a difficult time when they retire. Because they have spent so much time doing a certain job, or maybe they, it, it was their identity. They, their identity was wrapped up in what they do, and when they retire, man, they really have a, a hard time. Uh, people are looking for love. Uh, maybe that's you here this morning. Maybe you, you came in here uh, looking for love. Right? Some people look for love in all the wrong places, don't they? You knew that was coming, didn't you? Um, people are looking to buy things. You know, uh, constantly, we're constantly being advertised to, or you got the Amazon app, and you're on there, you know, looking, looking to, uh, to buy things, or Target, right? Some of you guys like Target. You, 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 Target, man, you love Target. Um, Bass Pro Shops might be your thing. Uh, or maybe it's shopping in person, going to the store, all right? but you're looking for that, uh, that next purchase. Maybe for you, it's just some chips and dip, right? For me, that's a, I'm simple like that. I just want a bag of chips and some dip, right? I can crush a whole bag of chips, no problem. Um, uh, maybe you're looking for uh, that bottle of bourbon, right? You're looking for the bourbon drop, and you want, you want a nice bottle of bourbon, maybe that's what you're looking for, or you're looking to, uh, for your, uh, your heat in your house to work, Are uh, you looking for a good night's sleep. Amen, anybody? Yeah, there are a lot of people I got in there, there we go. Um, Lots of people are looking at the NFL playoffs. Maybe you're, you're, you're hoping that I wouldn't keep going on and on about this so you can, we can hurry up and get out of here and go watch the playoffs. Uh, could be looking for uh, inner peace here this morning, truth, identity, community, relationships. Maybe you're here and you're seeking an encounter with spirituality, something transcendent, divine. Right? There are all kinds of things that people are, are looking for. But here's my question for you. Have you found it? Have you found what you're looking for? Have you found that peace, truth, happiness, satisfaction? Have you found what you are looking for? There's a guy, his name was Blaise Pascal, who was a French philosopher in the 17th century. And this is what he said. You may have heard this quote in some other... Uh, fashion, but uh, here it is. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. And here's the deal. All of us are always trying to fill up that God-shaped vacuum all the time. We're we're looking uh, to things to fill that that void in our life, but nothing else can fill it but Uh, but God, made known through Jesus Christ. And this is why Jesus comes after us, right? He comes after us and finds us and invites us. That's what we see him doing. In his past, Jesus is actually on the move, recruiting his uh, disciples. So next thing we'll look at is the fact that Jesus invites. Jesus invites. we see this in verse 38 and 39. They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, Where are you staying? Come and you'll see. See that invitation, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, and it was about four in the afternoon. See, Jesus invites you this morning to come and to see. That's his gracious invitation uh, to you. But we need to recognize that, that we are constantly being told all the time, all around us, there's always some invitation to come and see, isn't there? Whether it be, uh, come and see this election year. Come and see this picture on my iPhone. Right? Come and see uh, uh, this post on social media. Or what it is, there's constantly voices calling out to us to say, uh, come and see. But if we have this God-shaped vacuum in our heart that can't be filled with anything other than God made know through Jesus Christ, then we need to listen to Jesus here. We need to listen to Jesus to come and to see uh, Him. And when you come to Him and you look at Him, what do you find? Think about it. When you come to Jesus and take a good look, what do you find? Here's what you find. What God has been inviting us to see all along. When you come to Jesus, what you're going to find is what God has been calling us to come and see from the very beginning. And that's, that is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. Look at, look at this in verse 40 through 42. And Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two, heard John and followed him. He first found his brother, Simon, and told him, Listen, we found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. See, Jesus is the Messiah. When we come to Jesus, take a good look, we really consider it and weigh what's going on with Jesus, we're going to see that he is the one that God promised all along. He's the promised one of God. That's what Messiah means, by the way. Messiah just means promised one. Uh, Look at at it again in uh, 44 and 45. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about, about in the law, and so did the prophets, Jesus son of Joseph from Nazareth. So when uh, John the Apostle says, we found the one Moses wrote about and so did the prophets, Moses and prophets are like uh, text message, like uh, abbreviation, like LOL, right? Moses' prophets is like an LOL. Uh, in the scriptures, it means the whole Bible. The whole first part of the Bible, uh, John is telling us, is about this promised one. Is about the Messiah, who is Jesus, In John chapter 1, so we're wrapping up John chapter 1 today. In John chapter 1, Jesus is given seven titles, by the way. John, the apostle, loves the number seven, right? So uh, he gives Jesus these seven titles throughout the first chapter. In our passage today, we have at least three of them. Maybe there's another one I missed. But son of God, king of Israel, and the one that Jesus himself identifies as is son of man. And all of these titles are referring to the Messiah. All throughout the scriptures, there's all kinds of ways that the Bible is telling us there's this one who's going to come and fix the mess that we're in. Jesus calls himself the Son of Man," and he's referring to Daniel chapter seven. right That's primarily where uh, that's coming from. And it's just one example of, uh, of the prophets or the, the scriptures talking about the Messiah. Let's look at Daniel. Daniel's vision in, in Daniel 7, 13-14. This is Daniel speaking. He says, I continued watching in the night visions. And suddenly, one like a son of man was coming with the clouds of heaven, and he approached the Ancient of Days. That is God, God Almighty. And was escorted before him, and he was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom so that those of every people, nation, Language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away, and his kingdom is one that will not be destroyed. So, here is this individual, one like a son of man, who was brought before God the Father, right, and was given this power and glory and dominion because, if you look at the context in Daniel, he suffers and then is victorious after his suffering, and he's given all authority in heaven and earth and all the nations come underneath of his throne. Does that sound like anyone to you? Right? That is the story of Jesus, by the way. He comes into the world. He suffers immensely. Right, He's buried and resurrected and ascended into heaven and is ruling and reigning over all nations. Right? So what do we find when we come and see Jesus? We see the Messiah. We see that he's the promised one of God. When we come to Jesus, when we take an honest look at him, here's what you're going to see, what you've always been looking for. That's it, right? That's, that's the beauty of it. Look, listen to what C.S. Lewis said. He was a famous um, Christian writer, apologist. He says, if we find, in his book, Mere Christianity, if we find in ourso- within our- if we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. See that? He's not talking about like Mars or something. He's just saying, listen, if we have lived our whole life long and we have been trying to find happiness and satisfaction and nothing works, then maybe it's we were meant for something outside of this world. Maybe it's something ultimately beyond us and above us and greater than us that we were meant for. See, everyone is looking for something. And Lewis is saying that we've always been looking for Jesus in everything that he's made looking for Him in the things in this world for ultimate satisfaction. Not that we can't see the glory of God in the stuff that He's made. We do. But those things can't fill that God-shaped vacuum uh, in our heart. Right, uh, and this is Solomon's testimony. If you, if you read about Solomon in the Scriptures, his story, you read about him in the, in the, book, of, uh, his, uh, the book of Ecclesiastes, man, he had it all. Right? He did it all. He saw it all. You weren't going to come to Solomon and be like, hey, let me tell you, let me tell you what I did. He did it all, right? right. He was like living the dream. Right? Out of all the people throughout the history of the world, I mean, he had stacks of cash. He had everything that he could possibly, everything that everybody wants and chasing after, they're trying to use to fill that God-shaped vacuum. He had it at the 10th uh, degree, right? He had it all, did it all. I could only find rest in His Maker. And that's what He says. At the end of His book, Ecclesiastes, he comes to the end, and this is what He says. Ecclesiastes 12.1 So remember your Creator in the days of your youth. That's how He sums it up. Right? You need to go back to your Creator and remember what you were made for and who you were made for. You know, the disciples, when they went and saw Jesus, they said, we found Him. We found him. See, they were honestly and earnestly looking. They had an open heart to Jesus. And it's coming. So here's my question to you. you. Are you open to seeing Jesus? Are you open to that? Do you have an open heart? Um, Let me give you an example of someone who is open to seeing Jesus. I was talking with someone uh, a couple weeks ago uh, about Jesus and we were we were having uh, uh, some we were having sitting down having something to eat, and he said, "Let me ask you a question." So he had an honest question, and I gave him a, my best answer. And then we were talking about some resources and things that he could look into. Later on, I, I sent him that text message. There it is. All right there's the resources uh, you were looking for. And his this was his response: "I'm definitely going to study it more." See, there you go. That ought to be your heart, whether you're here, you're a Christian, you're a follower of Jesus, or not. This ought to be your, the posture of your heart: is, is questions, open and honest questions, and also honest investigation. Right? It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not. Right? If you're a Christian and you're a mature Christian, a humble heart wants to learn and is teachable and asks good questions, right? And then honestly. Pursues, pursues the, um, the the answers. If that's your heart, then you're, if you're honestly looking into it, then you really ain't seen nothing yet. Right? There's another song reference. Right? Bachman Turner Overdrive. Right? baby, right? You ain't seen nothing yet. Right? Uh, that's, this is basically um, uh, Jesus' response to Nan- Nathaniel uh, when uh, he comes to Nathaniel. Look at this in um, uh, John one47 through uh, fifty-one. Then Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said about him, Now here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Jesus answered, Rabbi, Nathanael replied, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus responded to him, do you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. You haven't seen anything yet. Then he said, truly I tell you, you will see heaven open in the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So Jesus, uh, Jesus uh, you know, tells big Nate here, Nathaniel, hey, I saw you under the, under the fig tree. Don't you, don't you want to know, wouldn't it be interesting to know what he was doing under the fig tree? Right? Maybe he was doing something naughty under the fig tree. I don't know. Who, who knows what he was doing? But the point is that Jesus was not there, right? And he tells Nathaniel, I saw you there, and I know uh, what you were doing, right? And this just, like, blows Nathaniel's mind because Jesus has this supernatural knowledge, right? He's omniscient. He, he knows everything. He, he sees, he sees uh, all, and uh, Jesus was like, well, really, you ain't seen anything yet. I mean, you believe just because I said that. Wait till you see What's going to go down? Right? And he says to him, tells him, You will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now, what's going on here when Jesus says that? Jesus is talking about this stairway to heaven, right? There's another one, right? But what, uh, what he's talking about, uh, it wouldn't have been strange to the disciples. When they heard Jesus talking about the angels of God ascending and descending, on the Son of Man, they knew that he was referring to a story in the Bible in Genesis uh, chapter 28 uh, about Jacob. Jacob was the grandson of Abraham. He was on the run. Nothing left to his name. He laid his head down to sleep, and he had a dream, and he saw a ladder. uh, Jacob's ladder. Angels going up and coming down. Now, some scholars uh, don't think that this was a a ladder, right? They... uh, They think it was a a temple uh, in the ancient uh, Near East, right? These these temples had uh, ladders going, steps going up up and down so that you could uh, get up into the clouds, so to speak, right? They thought it was like, they think it's like a ziggurat or something. So think like pyramid in Egypt. These people trying to uh, connect with uh, the divine, connect with uh, God. So uh, some scholars uh, scholars think that's what um, Jacob uh, saw, but regardless what he saw uh, was this ladder, with its top in the heavens, and the foot on the ground, and angels going up and up and down uh, on it. So, after this um, dream, this vision, Jacob names this place Bethel. With the Hebrew word Bethel, literally means house of God. So Jacob says, "Man, this is this is the meeting place between heaven and earth, right here, right now, out in this." in this wilderness, uh, in this desert, right? And then he makes an offering on an altar and, um, on that spot. Later on in the story of the Bible, uh, this was a place where the Israelites came and worshipped. Uh, that The Ark of the Covenant was housed there. It was a, it was a meeting place between God, God and man. Jesus is saying to us in our passage, I am that ladder. I right? am the true Bethel. I am, I am the place where heaven and earth come down. Um, if you go up on Sleepy Creek Mountain, you want to go up there and you want to take your vehicle up on the mountain and maybe go camping or, or, or go hunting, uh, you have to go through the access gates. Right? And, and they're usually closed, right? Access gates are always closed. Right? So Jesus is saying, I'm the access gate. I'm the access gate to God. I'm the access gate uh, to, the, to the life of, to the life of uh, uh, heaven. But just like those gates up on the mountain, the gate to heaven, the gate to God uh, is closed. Right? Because we don't naturally come into this world having access uh, to God or to heaven because we are sinners. right? There's a scripture in the, uh, the book of Isaiah that says that your sins have caused you to be separated from God. Your iniquities have made a division between you and him. And here's, here's the good news of, of John Jesus Christ, out of an ocean of love, goes to the cross for you. That at the cross, the gate of heaven was slammed shut in the face of Jesus so that it could be busted wide open for you. See, that is the good news of the gospel. Right? That at the cross, Jesus Christ switched places with you. Right? That he lost heaven. The gate was shut for him so that it could be open for you so that you could be forgiven. And have access uh, to God. So, if you come to Jesus and you see Him, right, here's what you're gonna see that you have direct access to God. And that's what John says is the good life. The good life is knowing God the Father and the one who is sent, Jesus Christ. It's John chapter 17. So, Jesus invites us, and this is His invitation. What an invitation! What an invitation. But Jesus also directs. He doesn't just invite, he directs. Let's look at this. In John chapter one, verse 43. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. And he found Philip, and he said, "Follow me." You see, Jesus invites us to come and see, but he also invites us, he also gives us direction. He tells us what to do. right What good news? That Jesus didn't just say, hey, come here and check this out. But he says, this is what you need to do with your life. You know? And he directs us. He says, follow me. Follow me. And you know, when he does that, when he says, follow me, he doesn't do that by constantly looking at all your mistakes and all your sin and all your screw-ups and anything like that. But as people with a new identity... You know, the good news of, 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 of believing in Jesus and coming uh, to uh, follow him and to believe in him is that he gives you a whole new identity, right? That you don't have to um, work for your identity. That's what a lot of people do. They work so hard trying to be good people and put on that, that good front. I do such and such, therefore I'm a good person. Or I believe these values and these beliefs, therefore I'm a good person. We live in a day and age where people just make up who they are. They just invent it out, out of thin air. Right? And this is the confusion of our, our, of our current moment and, and, our, and our culture. We don't know who we are because we don't know Jesus. But the good news is when you come to Jesus, he tells you who you are. He tells you exactly um, who you are. He gives us a whole new life. A whole new identity. And that's what he did with Peter here in this passage. Look at it in verse 42. When Jesus saw him, he said to him, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. The names Cephas and Peter both mean rock. So uh, Jesus gives uh, Peter a nickname. He says, You're Rocky. From now on, mo- moving forward, you're Rocky. Right? You guys know the, uh, the, movie, uh, the movie's Rocky. You know, he, had, he had his trainer. It was Mick, Mick right? His trainer, Mick. Yeah, he, he called him a bum at times, didn't he? Because Rocky was acting like a bum. But then he also told him, man, you are the Italian bulldog, right? What if that was your nickname, man? You are the Italian bulldog, right? And that got him all pipe, uh, hyped up and, you know, his confidence to be able to go into the ring and, and to fight. What, what do people call you? What do people call you? What do you, uh, what do you call yourself? Screw up? I don't know. What, what do you call yourself? This is who I am. I'm defined by my past. You call yourself trash. Maybe, maybe you call yourself a, a junkie or an addict or whatever. What, what do you call yourself? Right. Who are you? When you come to Jesus, you get linked up to Him, and you get everything that is His. That is the good news of the Gospel. We get a new name. You, go, you need to get a new name? As a Christian, you get a whole new whole new identity. I'm going to show you a beautiful passage from Isaiah uh, chapter 61 that refers to this. And I'm reading from the message translation. And this is talking about, Jesus literally quotes this passage talking about his ministry, the beginning of this passage. Look what it says here. That when he comes, he's coming to care for the needs of those who mourn in Zion, To give them a bouquet of roses instead of ashes. Messages of joy instead of news of doom. A praising heart instead of a languid spirit. You see that? You see what Jesus comes to do? Right? He comes to take your past and your identity. I don't know about you, but when I was lost, here's what I would tell myself I don't know who I am unless I'm drinking. I was looking to what people thought about me. Or if I have a little bit of money in my pocket from selling drugs, I'm somebody now. Right? Or if I. If I sleep with these women, well, then I'm really somebody, right? Or if I have these clothes, this is all, like, external identity. It was so fragile, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe you can relate to that um, here this morning, but look what, look what uh, this passage says, right? No more mourning, right? All the ashes of the past. Let me, let me give you a bouquet of roses uh, instead. This is all metaphorical, but it's beautiful. No more doom, and depression, but joy and praise. And look what he says here after that. Jesus comes to rename them Oaks of Righteousness, planted by God to display His Word. I love that right there. I love trees. right? You are an oak of righteousness if you come to believe in Jesus. How about that? All right, you're not just a little withering leaf. You know, it's been windy and the leaves are blowing all over the place. That's not you if you're a Christian. You are an oak of righteousness. What happens when the wind comes and it it whips and it blows 50 miles an hour and it gets a big old beefy oak tree? Nothing. It just stands there solid, planted, right? You're an oak of righteousness. That That means that, listen, we're unrighteous. But at the cross, Jesus died for our unrighteousness. That when we believe in him, we are forgiven and then we are hooked up with him, linked up with him, and he gives to you his life. And when you know that, you know what's going to happen to you? Solid as a rock. Immovable. That's where your identity is. It's all of God's grace. Planted by God. You see that? Planted by God to display his glory. You see, the beautiful thing about Jesus renaming Peter is that he was able to see what he would become. Right? Peter Peter was not rocky. Oh, he was tough at times, wasn't he? All right, he was, oh yeah, yeah he, was, he was brash and, and arrogant at times, but when it came down to it, when it really mattered, he denied Jesus before a teenage girl. He was weak. He was not a masculine man as he should have been, right? He wasn't a rock. He was unstable, but he would become rocky. You see that? Jesus is able to see what that man would become. He went on to become a leader in the early church. And was crucified for for Christ, for the gospel. See, when we we come to Jesus and he says, follow me, right? And he means it, by the way. I don't know if you've ever asked your kids, hey, will you do that for me? And they say, why? Just do it, right? Because I said, I need it done right now. That's why. Because I'm your dad. Right? And I have the authority to say, "Do it. I right, don't talk to your kids that way. I'm preaching OK this morning. but the principle is still true. Jesus does not have to tell us why. He's God. He's the Son of Man. He says, "Follow me, and we need to follow Him. I mean, we've got to think about uh, the, Him calling the disciples. They were on the job, they were at work. They, they had did. They Clocked in at work. They were there with the boss doing their job. And Jesus says, time to go, boys. And they dropped it all and they followed Jesus. Is that you? Are you dropping everything to follow Jesus? Don't quit your job, but follow Jesus on your job. Look at this. Verse 43 and 46. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law. And so did the prophets. and Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth, Nathanael asked him. Well, come and see, Philip answered. So Philip went and got Nathanael and told him that he had found the Messiah. But you know what? Nathanael really wasn't having it, was he? He was kind of hesitant, All right? He was, oh, wow, why why should I come, you know? And uh, Philip was like, well, come and see. Jesus told Philip, you come and see. Philip said, all right, Nathanael, you need to do the same, come and see. How did you come to see Jesus? How did that happen in your life? Don't you think about it. Think about your story for a minute. How did you come to see Jesus? I would venture to say it happened just like Nathaniel. Someone comes and tells you, hey, come and see. That's how it happens. This is how it almost always happens. People come and take a good look at Jesus because they get told about Jesus. Someone comes and tells them, hey, love to invite you out church sometime. I'd love to invite you out to the community. Hey, we're having lunch today. I'd love to invite you. Come and see. Come and check it out. When we come to Jesus and have our minds blown like Nathaniel, then we get our marching orders from Jesus, and they are to go and to tell someone else, to go and get someone else and say, come and see. Notice in our passage the relational dynamic. Did you guys notice that? All the relationships, brothers and friends, right? That's how it happens. Right? The good news of Jesus spreads uh, throughout our community through relationships. Listen, we don't come to see Jesus even as Christians, and when we do the Christian life, we're following Jesus, we don't do it by our lonesome. Right? There, are no, uh, there are no solo Christians or Christians apart from a community or anything like that. We take our marching orders together as a platoon. We are not snipers. Right? We are a platoon following Jesus together and inviting other people to come and see Jesus. And you know what? We get to do that right here in this community where we live. How cool is that? We get to do that right here in this community. Whether you live in Hancock or Hedgesville or Paul Paul Greg Capeen, right here in Berkeley Springs, uh, it doesn't matter. Right? Uh, maybe you're here this morning and you're like Nathaniel. Can anything good come out of this place? anything good happen here, right? A lot of people think that way. I talk with people all the time, you know, maybe they're from Paw and they're like, I hate this place, I want to get out of here, right? Nothing good ever happens here. Or they're from Berkeley, you know, Berkeley Springs, and they, th- and they say, I-, I just can't wait to get out of here, I hate this place. You know, I- I have so much of a bad past and the history here and, and so on and so, and so forth, right? Uh, uh, you know, Nathaniel said, can anything good come out of... Nazareth. Nazareth was a lot like our community, by the way. It was a small, small town, about 2,000 people. And the, in the Old Testament never said anything good was going to come out of there. Right? But Jesus came out of there. Can anything good happen here? Can anything good uh, happen here? Let me ask you a question. What if heaven was touching down here? What if there were angels... Ascending and descending right here. What if there was an access gate, just like there is up on Sleepy Creek Mountain, right here in this community, to God, to heaven, right? Well, come and see. Come and see. You See, wherever Jesus' church is, there He is. Wherever His people are saying, come and see, there's an access gate flung wide open to heaven. See, that's what is happening Right here, right now, in this church, in this community, right? And as we take our directions from Jesus, we have to have our, um, our expectations for the results tempered. Because it takes a long time for people to come to see Jesus, by the way. Typically. It takes a long time. So we got to be patient with people. The person I was talking about that asked me that honest question, four years been building a relationship with that person, hanging out with them, spending time with them, treating them like a friend, loving them, right? And um, he, he, sa- he he said, "You know, I, I I got I got one foot in, one foot out." I said, "Praise God, he's got one foot in." How about that? He had two foot out, two feet out prior. That's progress. And now he's got one foot in. Well, we're just gonna keep pushing and pushing and sending reinforcements, answering his questions until he comes all the way over uh, to the other side. You know, it, takes, it typically takes a long time for a church to grow, right? And we need to have proper expectations in a culture that is hostile to Jesus and the church. It's going to take some time. So if you're here and you're like, well, where is everybody? Well, go invite somebody, tell them to come and see, but have your expectations proper. This is not a microwave, what we're doing here. It's not a show. It's not a gimmick. This is not a, a spiritual buffet or anything like that. This is come and see, right? Think Barbecue smoker, low and slow. That's what we're trying to do because we, we want it to taste good. We want it, to be, want it to be healthy, right? And you just need to remember your own story. Remember your own story, you know, how long did it take? What were your hesitations? What was the sin in your life that you had to overcome? What were the questions that you had when you first became a Christian? Things that you re- repented of, your pride. Right? And your, your, your stubbornness and heart. You ever been stubborn and, and resistant to someone trying to love you and, and to correct you or to teach you? I know I've been. I look back on some of the things that I've done as a Christian and think, what an idiot. Right? We ought to, we ought to remember like, and be patient with people over the long haul. And we need to remember in all of this as we come and see, as we follow Christ, that He is worth it. He's good. What in the world? We get to know the Son of Man. We, we, get to, we, get, we have access to heaven in Christ. He's worth giving up everything and following Him. There was a pastor, his name was Francis Grimke. He was a pastor in the early 1900s in Washington, D.C. 15th Street Presbyterian Church for 50 years. He was a faithful pastor this is what he said. The Christ life. Oh, what a life. I love that right there. What a life. This is, this is life. Life as it was meant to be lived. A life of patient endurance, of self-sacrificing love, of tireless effort on behalf of others. More than 1,900 years it moved men. It may still make itself felt through those who profess to be disciples of Jesus Christ. In no other way can it make itself in no other way can it make itself felt. All right? That's my prayer for us. This is my prayer uh, for, our, for our community in this region that, it, that the good news of Jesus may move men. See that? May it move men. Right? And it doesn't happen in any other way than through us, through the church, through the local church, just being simple, everyday folk like these disciples and just saying, come and see. Come and see. I'm going to check it out. Yeah, it's good. That's what we want to respond to now.